your commitment to serving him in this way. We know that uh, quite a number may have traveled to um, the funeral. Let's continue to uh, uplift the Bewe family in prayer. It's, it's not, it, these experiences are not always easy. Uh, lifting each other up in prayer always uh, goes a long way. Do we have anyone visiting with us for the very first time? No one that I see. But welcome back to those who have not been around for a while. You're very welcome back. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, so this morning, we are going to look at how to have God's perfect peace. How you can have God's perfect peace. Now let me tell you a story. Those of you who have built or are building houses, you will relate with this. There was a day, one of those things that you do when you are back home from school, and my mom says, let's go to town. One of those open-ended agenda times. And so we pick up her friend, and uh, we go to all sorts of shops, we go down just about every other aisle, the things men don't like. But there I was, driving them. And then they decide, oh, let's go and see so-so, two of them. So they gave me the map, of course, I drove there, and we got, got into so-so's house, I'll not mention the name. And uh, we sat there, and the three women did what women do when they meet like that. They had tea and everything, and it's quite really hard to look interesting, you know, what, what I was like that day. And uh, we had tea over about an hour, and, and, uh, and then we leave the place. So, they said it was a lovely visit. Um, and they kept saying some things about their friend's house. Did you see the color scheme? Did you see how she has done the, the dining room, and, and the living room, and, and the kitchen? They have been there anyway. And yeah, even the toilet, they actually excused themselves to go to the bathroom, not because they needed it. But they just wanted to evaluate. And, and for all, they were, they were very critical of the house. But by the end of the day, there's something about this house. We, we just can't put our finger on it. It's a nice house. And then finally, they, they both agreed that yeah, it was a perfect house. They couldn't find any fault with it. Their, their friend had done it really, really nice. And, and much as we're, we're smiling and about um, that experience, but here's the thing, everybody has got this innate desire, this drive to want to experience the, the idea, the perfect. That's why you get terminologies like, he's the perfect gentleman. It's because you have got an ideal, a, a picture of perfection of what a gentleman should be like. Okay? Uh, this is the perfect car. There's still a debate about whether that is the Mercedes-Benz or the BMW. And there's a whole war going around, which is the perfect car, and so on. And, you know, we, we, if, if we go to our homes, you find somebody, everyone else is, is busy making their home have a perfect garden. We want it to be just nice, something that relaxes you. You get home and this garden speaks to you and it says, calm down. That's the perfect garden. That's why you find that wedding photos, 
as far as we know so far, nobody has come here and said, can we have a photo shoot at your church? They always go to where the gardens are really nice. Did you notice? We always seem to be drawing back, out, back, back ourselves to the garden. To the garden, to the garden where everything is nice. It's taken care of. The water features and all these things. But that's, that's, that's who we are. So when we're talking about having God's perfect peace, there was something that I learned as I was doing my study. But let's start with the word perfect. The, the word perfect, according to the dictionary, it says it has to do with conforming absolutely to the description or definition of an ideal type. You've got something that is ideal. For me, my ideal husband is, and then the list starts. For me, my ideal job, my dream job, um, they, you are shooting for something that is excellent, that is beyond practical or theoretical improvement. You can't improve on it any longer. It's just fine. It's something that everyone strives for. We all have that picture of an ideal. An ideally perfect sermon. Yeah, this wedding dress was ideal. Okay? We have an ideal, the perfection of just about everything. And this morning I am here to proclaim that there is such a thing as ideal peace. Amen? There is such a thing as ideal peace. Which means there's a there's a piece of some sort, but it's not ideal. And we look at scripture. It is not just an ideal piece. It is not something that is unreal. Perfect peace exists. It is as real as you are real. And it comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Perfect peace exists. Is there imperfect peace? Yes. Actually, when we're looking at the word perfect, we should have in mind words like something that is genuine, something that is authentic, something that is real, the real thing. It's not fake. There is such a thing as perfect peace. Now, here's the takeaway if you're going to go away and, and, and remember anything today. Only a perfect God can give us perfect peace. Only a perfect God can give us perfect peace. We're looking at each other today. We are in our Sunday best. We're looking all nice and calm and listening to the sermon. But the truth is some of us have got turbulence inside. There are things happening in our hearts, in our lives, that are robbing the peace that God wants us to have. I don't know what it is, but I know enough as a person to know that it is possible to sit in the pew, listen to a, 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 a sermon on peace, and not be at peace. It is very, very possible. Bills, loans. Did I continue? <laughs> Those things rob your peace. The health of a loved one. They rob you of your peace. The death of a loved one. They rob you of your peace. And I'm here to 
to, 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 to share with you, to proclaim, to declare that perfect peace exists. And that perfect peace only comes to us through Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus Christ gives us perfect peace. No other way. Sometimes people do drugs just to get some peace. But it doesn't end well. Some people decide, oh, I'll just do all the alcohol I can get. Be at peace. But it doesn't end well. Do so many other things. You chase after a career hoping that you know, finally you know, get it. Then everything will be settled. But the truth is, it's, it's, all these things are out there. Even peace that we are talking about, when it comes to peace from God, and the perfect peace, it is not a, a, the one that is unreal. It is not the one that is, uh, that is fake. It lasts. God is perfect. Amen? God is perfect. He is holy. He is just. He is love. He is faithful. He is amazing. He is awesome. Everything about God is perfect. This is why people who do not want to acknowledge that there is God will tell you that is just an ideal of God that you have. But the basis is they haven't accepted that God exists. And they're finding it. So when you say God is just, they say, ah, but what about all these wars and everything? They say, well, is that God's fault, really? There is perfection in everything he created. When he created it, all the time he stopped and he said, this is good. Perfection. Garden of Eden. Perfection. Before the fall. And when you look at the book of Job, chapter 38, um, the time when, when God came to Job to answer him his questions, and, and I referred to this last week, I said, what a way to answer somebody who had lost everything. <laughs> but, but God was up to something here. When, when Job had asked his questions to God, God says, okay, now you stand up. Let me question you like a man. You stand up. Let's, let's talk. And God begins to say, this one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. You almost see God putting Job in the witness box. That's, that's the picture you should have. So he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Now, let's think about this for a bit. The earth is spirit. Okay? How does a sphere have a foundation? And when you put that in the context of the universe, you begin to marvel at God's creation, how perfect it is. You can predict maybe even five years from now where the earth will be on its axis in the rotation. You can predict. And God put all that in perfect sync. God is perfect just by looking at nature. He says, tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? This is how far the continents go. This is how far the oceans go. This one should be here. So he says, who 
who determined that? I'm reminded of a song that was very popular back then. You know how my Redeemer lives. There are those questions. It says, who determines, who tells the ocean that you can only come And when you think about it, this is a perfect design. Perfect design. That nothing goes out of place. And we have had a taste of what happens when things in nature go out of place. They realize, ah, now I understand why the Bible says that it is in him and through him that we live and have our being. Apart from Christ, this whole world falls apart. Think of the tsunami of 2006. Sometimes these reminders come for us to realize that even nature is held together. And God continues to, 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 to question Job, he says, verse 6. To what way its foundations fasting? Apparently, the earth has got foundations. I don't know how that works. But there are foundations that are holding the earth in place. Or who laid its cornerstones? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling back. In short, look at nature and tell me if you don't see the perfection of God. When you cross over to Revelation chapter 21 and we are told of the city that God is building, it's a perfect city. It defies all logic as we know it now. 2,000 kilometers wide, 2,000 kilometers long, 2,000 kilometers high. That's a distance equal from here to Dar es Salaam. Height of the city. And then begins to talk about the gates and the stones that they are made of, and the foundation stones, and begins to talk about the streets of gold and everything. You, you, you read Revelation 20, 20, 21, and the picture that begins to come into your mind, you say, only a perfect God can do this. Only a perfect God. And so that takes us to the scripture for the day. God has given a, in, in Isaiah 26, God has given a, a, a promise he is talking about what he's going to do for Israel and the entire world in the end days. Where we get when we get to, to, to Isaiah chapter 26. And the Bible says, In that death, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. This thing will happen in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for wars and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The Lord, trust the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. It's the King James person that says, in Yah, the Lord, everlasting strength. So they are looking forward to what God is going to accomplish. But as they are looking forward, the writer begins to tell them the kind of peace the people are going to have and the, own, or the, the type of people who are going to experience perfect peace. So, let's look at a few points. 
for one. Perfect peace has a perfect source. Perfect peace has a perfect source. Or should we say it has the perfect source? Whatever is bothering you, whatever it is that unravels you, you must understand that it is related to the source of your peace. I used to get unsettled. Maybe that is even an understatement. When my money begins to run out, I was one of the most unsettled people you could ever meet. Maybe you didn't even see it. But when I began to understand that my economy is determined by God, I think I've become even more peaceful these days. That there are times that I have nothing. You understand? Nothing. You don't even dare go to the ATM. You have nothing. Zero. But I'm learning to say, the Lord God takes care. He will sort it out. Whereas before, it was everything that happens when I have no business. Worry. Short-tempered. These days I've learned to say, you know what? God will take care of us. God will sort it out. And he has. And he continues to do that. Amen? So, our perfect God is the one who gives peace. He will keep us in perfect peace. Look at that verse. The verse says, you will keep him in perfect peace. It is God's responsibility to keep you in perfect peace. A peace that makes people say, no, this is different. This is different. People know peaceful people, but when they come to you, they'll say, uh-uh, this one is unique. We haven't seen this before. How? How are you managing it? Because your source is perfect. It is a problem. It is God who will give you perfect peace. It's a promise from God. Hallelujah. And his promises are yeah and amen in Christ Jesus. When God promises something, he has to stop being God for him not to fulfill that promise. As far as it depends on him. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6. It was prophesied. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And that is why he made such astounding statements like the one he made in John chapter 14. When he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. That's John chapter 14, verse 26. Earlier this week, this one I didn't tell many people. Earlier this week, I, I had just come from a, from a workshop and I was feeling very funny. I was like, what, what are these chills in me? I was like, I'm feeling chills in my body. And uh, when they were taking the vitals, this nurse says, your baby is, is going off the charts. So I looked at her and I didn't say anything. 
He says, okay, we're going to give you a bed. I didn't say anything. He said, Mr. Manjo, what's wrong with you today? You just pray. Because usually I talk. I talk. He said, no, whatever you're saying, I can hear. That guy is right. But he said, oh, this way. I said, I'm my wife first. My wife had went and then the doctor came. He looked at the readings. He says, hey, this is how. Then he took another machine. He did the measurements. Then, then he said, okay. Uh, one more. So he took a minor one. He did the measurement. And he goes, are you feeling anything? He said, I'm feeling pain. I hear it. There's a lot of pain. He says, okay. Um, I did a blood test. Uh, take a sample and do all these tests. Uh, Uh, I'm lying down there. And then and he says, uh, I'm not going to give you any medication. I don't know, I just, like, based on what I've seen in the past, the way you've been improving, I don't think I'll give you any medication. And uh, I slept. <laughs> I slept. Think about two hours. I slept. I'm told people came and took measurements, and I wasn't there. I, I was here. And then uh, the test came back and the doctor says, okay, so uh, go home. But the interesting thing about this visit this time around was, I had peace. I had an amazing sense of peace of everything is going to be. People, in the past, that's not who I would be. You understand? It would be tell so and so, please inform so and so. This time around, I was just, I was at peace. Shalom, just at peace. It was a great feeling. And I was like, really, I have 3,000 people to go and sleep at the hospital. I wish I knew I would have just gone home. But when you are told your blood pressure is high, things begin to happen. Oh no. Oh no. You, you, all sorts of possibilities run through your head. This time around, the Lord was like, Please, it's not here. It's not about me, it's about the source of my peace. Amen. And everybody has got access to the Father. You can be like that. So notice the way Jesus said, my peace I give to you. He's got a peace. It's his. It's characteristic to him, unique to him. So he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. How does the world give peace? How does the world give peace? Somebody gets sick, we're throwing medicine. Right? Somebody is troubled in mind, we are, we are doing all sorts of things to help them out. And many times we actually do not help The way the world gives peace is not to last. It is a peace that is temporal. But Jesus says, my peace I'm going to give to you. Not the way the world gives. I'll give it to you. So what is that kind of peace? We'll look at it later. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without 
sin. I told you, God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. When you meet a man who has no sin and lived the life that we live, yet without sin, that is the very embodiment of perfection. And so when he says, I will give you peace, I will give you perfect peace, it is perfect peace. So don't shortchange yourself and go looking for peace. That is not perfect. Looking for peace, that is not genuine. Looking for peace, that won't last long. Some of the lessons I've learned in life are that sometimes we think we are saving money by buying cheap things, when actually you spend more. Because cheap things usually do not last. Cheap things do not usually last. Sometimes it's better to spend a little bit more on something that is good because it will take you a long way. Yeah. One time when I went to, um, I went to have my eye test and uh, they said, oh yeah, we really need to change and so on. We, we, we need to give you by focus, the ones that we can moon and so on and so forth. And, uh, they need to be, they need to have refractions and for light when you're driving at night. You know, they, they really did a good sales job on me and I, I bought it. I said, okay. But now I was thinking, should I be one of those who, when I'm looking at people, I go like this and when I want to read, I go like this, I'm using it. I didn't see myself that way. So I said, I'm so good at these apples. Are these the ones that have this new progressive? Yes. But, but if you want, there's another one which they call progressive. So you don't see it, but they are bifocals here. At some point, they begin to, I, I begin to use that, that function for, for, for reading things. And they say, because I'm over 45 and all the nasty things they tell you. But anyway, I forgive them, it's their job. <laughs> so I said, okay, yes, I'll take this one. And then the bill came up. They said, okay, with the lens you have, you have, uh, you have, we're going to give you they have got all these uh, characteristics, fancy stuff, they have brochures, I think they are from Europe. And I looked at them and I said, yes, so I chose the frame. Um, my wife helped him, and then, um, yeah, come back tomorrow for the glasses. I went back to the and my wife was explaining to the kids, she said, hey, you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> He didn't want my focus that show. <laughs> you know, and I paid good money for it. It was, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite a lot of money. And two years down the line, I'm glad I did. You know, I, I have to go back for another one now. But, but I'm glad I paid that money for something that took me long. It took long for them to even begin to show scratches and, and, and also they are durable glasses. Trust me, when I walk back into that shop, I'm going to tell them exactly what I want. I'll sacrifice money that should have gone elsewhere to get something that is genuine. That's the point. So don't settle for peace that is not perfect. Settle for the real thing. Amen? Settle for the real thing. When you're getting, getting your car fixed, they, these days they tell you, okay, so um, you need these spare parts. Um, there are these spare parts for 
every day spare parts. But if you want the genuine ones, go to this shop, to that shop, to that shop. They tell you. And sometimes you make a decision and say, oh, I'll go here because I don't have enough money. But pretty soon you'll be back. Fixing the very same thing. Why not spend a little bit more? That will take you further. Why settle for a piece that is not perfect? Why settle for a piece that is a facade? Why? Jesus is saying, my piece for me, the perfect one, is the one I want to give you. It's a unique piece. So, let's take a look at what perfect peace looks like. Philippians chapter 4. Favorite verse when it comes to peace. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 7. Uh, the Bible says, And the peace of God, this is the one Jesus referred to. The peace of God. The one who said, this is my peace. The one which God said in, in Isaiah 29, verse 26, verse 3, that it is the perfect peace. Paul is telling us that the, that peace of God, number one, it surpasses all understanding. Give a definition of peace, any definition of peace that you can give. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. You cannot wrap your head around it, but it's there. And it's for yours, it's for you for the taking. Hallelujah. It's the peace that makes people do things that, that, that makes the world say, no, this person is going through this. How can they be like this? You have seen those people. They are going through nasty stuff. They hold on to their God. They are going through very challenging things, but they hold on to their God. And it's almost as if they are oblivious to, to what is happening to them. Because they have discovered that the peace of God is where it's at. Hallelujah. There's been a lot of talk. People have lost peace over the past few days, past three or four days. Until when the projections came in and they said, ah, oh, it's Joe Biden now, who is the president of the US. I've seen people make comments on, 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 on social media and I'm thinking, and somebody said, this is the mindset change the vice president was talking about. This is trivial. This is about America. Let's talk about Malawi. But you know, people have lost peace over those elections. People have said things to each other that they'll probably regret for years to come. Unless they make them right. So am I saying I'm not concerned with what is happening in the US? I, I am. I am. I, I, I take interest in who, who, who steps up to the, to, the, to the post. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'll pray for it. Pray for them. Pray for the U.S. But it will not take peace for me. Amen? Because the peace that I have is not from this thing. Hallelujah. It's a decision we make. The peace, the perfect peace, the Bible says that it will guard your hearts and minds. Your hearts and minds will be guarded. The peace of God guards, guards your heart. The peace of God guards your mind. Because the times that you need peace really are stressful times. 
There are times that make you think Where should I go? And when you are stressed or you're going through stuff that 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 stresses at the very being of who you are, you need your heart to be guarded. Because you can easily get emotionally hijacked. You know what emotional hijacking means? I think Pastor explained one time. Emotional hijacking is when you are at the interchange and you have indicated clearly that you are turning left and somebody just comes and cuts in on you and, so, and you go like... You have just survived an emotional hijacking. When you hear plates crashing in the kitchen and you know clearly they are broken. Emotional hijacking goes, Dejani! Oh, oh, you, you, you know the plates are broken, so you're asking me to And whoever has broken that plate knows I am in deep trouble. And then you come in and you say all those things that you regret later on. That was emotional hijacking. Now, the peace of God enables you to keep all that in the control. There are still things that you need to learn to do that. But it starts with the peace of God. Mm-hmm. I've told you of the time when I went, I was picking up my children to school, and another parent, who is apparently alleged to pick up their children to school, almost had us have an accident. Some parents are worse than their children. But anyway. I just breaked and then nothing happened and I went. I just survived emotionally. The peace of God keeps your heart and mind. And because your heart is in shape, it is calm, you are able to think clearly regarding the situation. Amen? So people say, Amen? Because your heart and mind is guarded by the peace of God. How can you let them off the hook like that with what they have done to you? The peace of God. They guard your heart and your mind. Here's the key. Through Jesus Christ. That's the basis of everything. So all I'm saying by saying all these things is that perfect peace has the perfect source and that is God through Jesus Christ. If your peace is not based in Jesus Christ, you're missing it. If you are not at peace with yourself before God, what is going to happen is that every time the triggers, things that happen, to trigger your, 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 your emotions to flare are going to come in a nasty way. They're going to come in a nasty way. So if you are somebody who grew up with the fear of losing people, your loved ones, when you hear about a funeral of another loved one, lose your peace. And I've realized that I need people to keep me in check. 
It's not that I abuse it. In fact, if you ask me and I go to what I had spent it on, I would not have abused it. I would have spent it on things that I needed to spend it on. That, that discipline of restraint, that restraint is, is something I'm working on. You know, I have to tell certain people and say, you check me on this, you check me on that. Okay? But when I lose money, I get all frustrated. I've had to learn to say, it's okay, people use money. You can recover. I'm not saying it's okay to lose money. I'm just saying it happens and it need not take the peace of God away from you. Amen? It happens. I told you the story of how we woke up one day and we were told, oh, there's a dead cat at your gate and the blood is splattered on the gate. Now, where I, where I live, it means bad things. But when I looked at it, I was at peace. I just said, okay, let's get the cat, go bury it somewhere and uh, clean the gate. I went back in the house. Peace over it. Not at all. Because we knew what was going on. It's because the source of perfect peace, when you allow the source of perfect peace in your life, you are going to be a unique person. Do I lose it sometimes? Yes, I do. But over and above, the journey is going like this. Up, 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 some dips. Up, 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 some dips. Up, up. Hallelujah. Second point. Perfect peace has a particular recipient. It's not for everybody. In the sense that everybody can access perfect peace, the perfect peace of God. But there are conditions you need to meet to get the peace of God. Just like salvation is for everyone, but only those that come and acknowledge and believe in the Son of God will be saved. Amen? So, when we go back to Isaiah 26, the Bible says that you will keep him in perfect peace. Keep who? Him. There's a somebody who needs that perfect peace. There's a somebody God is going to keep in perfect peace. There's a particular type of person who God will keep in perfect peace. Just like the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But here is the thing. Being cleansed is there for everyone. Unrighteousness being cleansed from our lives is there for everybody. Here is the thing though. The word if means that those who choose not to do what the if wants them to do will not have forgiveness of sin. Will not have the cleansing of all unrighteousness in their life. It is only those who confess their sin who will experience these things. Are we together so far? No mask, no service. You choose not to have a mask, you're not going. You choose to wear a mask, you'll be able to go in. Last Friday, I was, I was coming from picking up the kids and I had needed to go into the bank and then I realized 
I forgot my mask in the car. <laughs> so one of the kids had a mask, so I said, here's the money, here's the bank account, go. And they went in, and the security girl was just looking at us, smiling, she couldn't believe what she was saying. Because there are people, you know what they do, they go there and say, ah, I don't have a mask. Oh, you need to go into the bank. Yeah, here, have money. I've seen those things. But I said, I said, you go into the bank and she was like, oh, so you sent your child? I said, yes. Why? I said, she has the mask. I don't. So because you have said no mask, no entry, I'm just following what you have said. It's like, if everyone was like you, my work would be easy. Those security guards, they really just abuse. Sometimes. They are telling you the, the thing that needs to be done, but the way people, sometimes people with names in the city, you know what I mean, the way they will answer the like, you don't realize this is also another person you're talking to. So, perfect peace as a particular recipient. Let's see if you are one of those recipients. The Bible says, Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace. Number one, whose mind is stayed on Christ. Now, this is the New King James Version. So it says, whose mind is stayed on Christ. It's the way of using it. It's an old English. Whose mind is stayed on Christ is, is meant to mean um, somebody whose mind is focused on Christ. I've given this picture before to say, you know, when, when I used to love watching war movies. Let me run my dad. Okay. Now, some of the war movies they would show uh, planes in dogfights. They're fighting each other. They're trying to, to shoot the other plane down and so on. Now, I noticed something about that. They always have these gadgets. They could be digital or it's something that is mounted on the plane and it's got a crossing between them. Now, what they have, what what the other pilot is doing, the one that is chasing the one in front, what they are doing is to try and get the enemy plane in that circle right there on that bullseye. That, that cross thing, okay? That's the objective. When the enemy gets there, the digital ones, they will turn from green to red. It means you have what they call lock on target. When you are there, fine, you've got the enemy. You get that picture. You are focused. You are stayed on the enemy. And whatever the enemy does, you just make sure you keep them there. Whether they go up, you go up. But when you fire, because they are in the circle and it's gone red, you get them. That's the picture that this scripture is giving us. That for you to experience perfect peace, the perfect peace of God, Locked on target. And your target is the Lord. Amen? You, you stay there. You stay there and they will tell you, oh, because of Corona, your business is not doing well. So what is happening is they are trying to knock you off so that you are off target. But they say, ouch, and you come back. That's the picture. Hallelujah. I remember that I was... Nine years old. Or was it ten years old? When Diego Maradona did his hundred birthday. 
But what most people miss about that horse here was the run he made to get to where he actually got in contact with the ball. Whether it was the hand or the head is not the discussion. But he went through it. They knew this guy is dangerous. He scores. And it was in the dying minutes of the game. And they knew we'd better mark him down. But the run he made is the type of run that says, I've got to get to that ball. Whether you trip him or what, but I've got to get to that ball and score. That's the idea. When it says that perfect peace will be given to the one whose mind is stayed on you, God, the one whose mind is locked on God, the one who says, even though my children have died, even though my camels have died, even though my buildings have gone down, we usually miss that job lost real estate. Even though my wife is now advising me to do the very thing I would never think of doing, I'm going to stay before God. I'm not moving. Even when the friends came and said, God does not make sense. You are suffering for your own sin. And he says, uh uh-uh, I know the way I am before the Lord. It's not about sin. Lock on target. The book of Hebrews tells us about how Jesus Christ focused on the prize that he was going to get. When they were giving those crowns of thorns and all those beatings and saying, Prophesy to us who hit you. He, he had in mind you and me. That was his focus. I've got to finish this thing, even though my father would forsake me. That's long on target. Was it painful? Yes. In fact, when you are locked on target, you can easily trip and roll over and hurt yourself. But you get up and you look for that target again and you go after it. If perfect peace, the Bible is saying, Lock on target. Lock on target. Amen? Lock on target. This is the target. This is the word of God. It's the one that is going to give you peace. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. The way the economy is right now. Yeah, I do understand. But I also understand that no matter what happens, God's promise to provide for his people is regardless of the economy. Hallelujah. Lock on target. And also, in the same verse, it says, Trust in God. Trust in God. The recipient of the perfect peace of God required that you trust in God. Nobody else. If you want peace, trust in God. Because sometimes things happen in life that make you think, you know, let's, let's, let's just think about it. God promised that we will have a son. Yeah? But the truth is, you and me, we are past that age. So, here is happening. It makes sense. Amen? Especially when the village women begin to talk. I 
wife tells me that uh, in the culture, if after a year at the village, when you're married, they, they really bless you in the village because they bring a lot of firewood, lots and lots of firewood. That will last you for months. Okay? Now, as the firewood goes towards the end, and there are no signs of the day becoming, people come and they say, Please be careful. Now what they say? Time is gone. So Sarah has got that pressure. You're saying God has said we have it. Many times we are too hard on ourselves. But trusting in God does not mean that alternatives don't exist. Trusting in God does not mean that there is no other route you can take. But we've got to stay the course and look at God and say, God, you saved. And this you said is going to be done your way. And I'm going to do it your way. Hallelujah. Experiencing the perfect peace of God means that you have to trust God totally. Totally. One time I did ask one of us to say, do you trust me? And, uh, I think he knew something was true. So he said, uh, Pastor, not really. You want to do But I was going to do an exercise with him, which is very, very, very never. Okay? The exercise is very simple. But what you do is you tell the person, close your eyes. And they close your eyes. And you ask them, do you trust me? They say yes. You ask them again, do you trust me? And they say yes. They say, okay. If you trust me, fall back. I'll catch you. Most of the time, people go, hmm. Can you pick another volunteer? But if they really trust you, they'll let go. You catch them. They are not hurt. It's that kind of trust God is looking for from us. When he says, I will take care of you, you better trust he will take care of you. When he says, I will watch over you, no, nothing shall come before your tent and finish you off. That's what is going to happen. When he says that when you pray to me, I will answer. When you pray to him, he will answer. That's, that's trust. To be vulnerable before God and say, this is what you say, this is what I'm going to do, and God will do the rest. Even though it takes long before that can happen. So perfect peace has a particular recipient. Final point number there is that trusting in the Lord forever because Yahweh, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Your trusting in God is because you realize that the strength you need for everyday life is in God. Your source of strength is in God, so you trust in Him. Amen? God is our source of strength. So yes, perfect peace has the perfect source through God and Jesus Christ. Perfect peace as a particular recipient. We've got to align ourselves to what kind of person God keeps in perfect peace. That person 
They have their mind stayed on Christ. They have their lock on target on Christ, on the words of Jesus Christ. They are focused on Jesus Christ. They trust in God and they realize that their strength comes from God. That's the kind of person whom uh, God is going to have. He's going to keep in perfect peace. Now, let's talk about how you have this perfect peace of God. Number one, you get connected to God through Jesus Christ. You get connected to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You need to be connected to God through Jesus Christ. If you do not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then this is just another club you have come to this morning. No value of spiritual significance. No value of eternal significance. Because if you are going to get the peace of God, you've got to be connected with God. And there's only one way you get connected to God, and that way is through Jesus Christ. So how do you get connected? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the guarantee, you will be saved. Hallelujah. You will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And it's not just believe because the word of God says so. Even historical fact attests to the fact that he was from the dead. You go to where he, he was buried today. He's not there. And he's nowhere else. He rose from the dead. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you just pray and, and say the words of Romans chapter 10 and, and chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 and you will be saved. You will be connected with God. Hallelujah. You will be connected with God and that makes you a recipient of his perfect peace. Now it looks like I'm preaching to the converted in here. So I'll take it a step further. You have now begun a love relationship with the source of perfect peace. Your responsibility is to trust and obey him. And he will manifest in your life. Amen? We need to be, to be a people who trust and obey God as a way of life. When God says turn left, you turn left. When he says turn right, you turn right. Don't begin to make excuses. Those who do, it didn't end well for them. Ask Jonah. It doesn't end well. When the Lord says, I am displeased with this, I need you to start doing this, you just do that. Amen? The old songwriter said, trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Hallelujah. So, I'll say this again. I was about to say like a broken record, but then those things are old school. 
Trust and obey like a broken city. This is more relevant, right? Although we are streaming things right now, so I don't know what. But the point is, there are no happy, disobedient Christians. There are no happy, disobedient Christians. If you are obedient to the Lord, you will find true joy, true happiness. If you are disobedient to the word of the Lord in your life, there will be You won't be happy. The challenge that we have, people of God, is obedience to Christ. Like I was saying last week, that when you are not obedient, you are not under the covering. Or you are getting away from the covering. And it does not end well. Been there. Done that. Justin gave the t-shirt. But obedience is key. John chapter 14, verse 21. The Bible says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Keeping the commandment of Christ. Amen. Oh, pastor, where are the commandments? They are here in the word. They are here in the word. So he says, if you keep my commandments, then it means you love me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. The originator of perfect peace. Hallelujah. And he says, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now to manifest is to show up. In short. To manifest is to show up. True love manifests. True love shows up. But it's also looking for a condition. It says, if you love me, I want you to do what I tell you. I want you to remain connected to me. Show up. There will be an undeniable show of the presence of God. It's like God loves to show and tell. He loves to brag. Ah, you're being obedient to me. He shows up in your life and he starts doing things. And people begin to say, Guys, and they're talking about you. They say, people out here know God, and they're talking about you. And your focus is, obey what the word says. Obey what Jesus Christ is telling you. Just obey. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, and say to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So you just don't obey it, but you keep it. This is the keeping of for a rainy day. I'll, I'll use it later. That's the keeping. So he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And he will come to, to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Many times, the, the problem becomes that we, we think God is democratic. We think God is democratic. He's not. He's theocratic. There's a difference. Look it up later. But I can tell you, that in 1993, when it was clear 
that my life was to be given in service for the Lord. I have tried to run many times, and I've never had this. Until recently, when I said, you know what, Lord, this is what you want me to do, I'm here. And I'm comfortable with what God has called me to. Amen? But the times I tried to say, no, maybe probably the right combination is this one and this one, and then is this is how to make easy, I'll do them as if, as and when needed, and he all said, no, that was not the calling that I, I gave you. And here's the thing. The things that I tried to do, which my friends had successfully done, it just wouldn't work. Because the Lord was saying, what are you doing? I told you to be here. And you're trying to make this work. What should work here, you're trying to make it work here. It's just not going to work. So let's not waste time when the Lord begins to tell us, I need you to go to Nineveh. Don't buy a ticket for Tashish. You know the story. Of joy. Yeah? Keep in step with the Lord. When the Lord says, I'm going to use you to free your people, don't start too early and then you kill one, hide them in the sun, and then you're on to the next one, and the next one says, oh, do you want to kill me like you killed the other Egyptian? God will say, ah, 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 this one is uh, moving too fast. So what we'll do is, we will just put them on timeout. Some 40 years in the desert should sort out the wrong mindset. Sometimes we want to move too quickly. And God says, yes, yes, I know what I've told you to, but right now, I need you to learn from this person. You say, no, I'm ready to go. People are tired without knowing Christ. And God says, ah, ah I need you here. And you feel like God is, is wasting my time. Keep in step with the Lord. Amen? Just be obedient and watch Him manifest in your life. Because when you are where God wants you to be, you experience perfect peace. Hallelujah. You experience perfect peace. Because you are right where He wants you to be. I cannot remember if, if it was Pastor who preached, but, but uh, there was a sermon that said the, the place called. I don't remember who preached it. But they are saying when God says go there, don't stay here. You get it. When God says go there, don't stay here. Because here is not where God told you to be. He said you go there. Which means everything that is required for you to perform his will is at a place called there. But many times we say, Lord, yeah, there looks, um, doesn't look really attractive, eh? So can we talk about this? Can we reach some compromise? God is not a democratic God. He is God. He is a king. But he's a king who likes you. He's a king who knows what's best for you. And right now he's saying he's got peace. Perfect peace. And because he's got perfect peace, he's saying, I need you to be this kind of person to experience perfect peace. Right now you're saying, you know, but pastor, my husband, the things my husband is doing, when he leaves home, I am... I am not so sure what he's doing, what he will come back with. And, and the Lord says, Be at peace. Pray. Pray for him. 
Oh God, my son. Sure. Because it's like this, like this, and the Lord said, Be at peace. I'll sort him out. God works. But we cannot hard. We cannot work with somebody who is saying So, we learned the other time. He was told, you wait until I come and offer sacrifice. But so was getting uneasy because the men were beginning to say, you know what, the Philistines. And you know, the Philistines. The Philistines. And the others were beginning to, to talk about living. So, so, so it is, begins to, to rationalize the word of the man of God. He says, you know what, some other guy is getting wet. Um, so I'll just give the sacrifice. When you have just finished giving the sacrifice, something has What have you done? And in fact, when you read the text, you discover that what Saul was fearing about the Philistines was not true. Go read it. It's very interesting. It wasn't true. And from that point, he lost his time. He tried to get as much as he can. He held on to the robe of the man of God and it tore and then he said, you know, just like this, the kingdom is not going to happen. Because he did not have his faith. He was more concerned about what people would think about me than what God would think about him. That's why he lost it. I pray that we shall be a people focused on Christ. Amen? Focus your life on Christ and watch him manifest in your life. That's the promise he's given in John 14 verse 23. Amen? People, focus on Christ. Live to please Christ. Seek him with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength and watch him perform the promises he has given in your life. Hallelujah. Watch that. Watch Christ do things in your life. My heart's desire is that each and every one of us will say, I will seek Christ. I will go after God's own heart. There is no way you can make a resolution like that and God turn you away. No way. God will want to brag on you. God will want to say, let me show up in their life and use them for my glory. And trust me, there is always a benefit for you when you do that. Amen. Always there is a benefit. But you've got to be someone who is not trusted. Look to the perfect God to give you perfect peace. And until you trust him fully, obey his word. You will never find perfect, authentic peace apart from the word of God. Hallelujah. Why settle for a fake and not the real thing? Perfect peace. 
The Chichewa word says, Mtendere wanguiro. Peace that is whole, that is intact. It won't break away after a few minutes. And then you have to do the thing over and over again. So application. Make the studying of God's word a habit. Get to learn what God is saying through his word. And pray. As you speak with him in prayer, you will see what will do in your life. Amen? You will see what God will do in your life. I have no clue through why these things keep happening to me. But you know, I knew I was going to preach today a long time ago. And you start working on the on, the, on, the, on, on what you think you should. Um, it doesn't work when you start praying and we and what is it I'm going to share and so on and so forth. And, so forth. and, and I'm praying and so on and so forth. And it's not clean. And it's Friday. And you say, God, you know what? I think I'll just leave this in body bed. So Saturday comes up and yesterday I didn't know what it was. We went to the funeral and all those things and so on and so forth. And I'm saying, God, God, you know, I, I read. I'm a sucker for planning. And none of these the good things weigh in advance. This is not the right thing. And, and, and the Lord said, yeah, that's the problem. You think it is you. So the more I prayed, the more I prayed, when scriptures start to come up, when a teacher starts to perform and so yes, this is it. Go and start working and so on. This time, this time, this time, but the next time, Lord, I know I'll be preaching on that day. I'll be teaching on that day or that day. I'll start here, but this time I'll, 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 I'll turn the tables around. And I'll say, okay, Lord, speak. Because it is sure. It's him. It's not about me. And I have to be at peace. That the, the, the scriptures that are coming, the points that are coming, it's him. Because he has his people to take care of. I'm just a person. And I have to be at peace with that. Maybe sometimes I'll miss it. I don't know. But for the most part, I know if I trust in the word of God, you can never go wrong. Because the word of God has to come back having accomplished something. It doesn't come back empty. Amen? Hallelujah. So, only a perfect God can give us perfect peace. You are in with the Lord. You are obedient. You shall experience perfect peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that keeps your heart and your mind together. It keeps your heart and your mind in perfect sync. So that you are, you are able to continue serving the Lord no matter what hits you. So that you are able to give support to those that need it. So that you are able to work on things that you need to work on. And Venice, she came home yesterday and said, Uncle, I'm really, really, really mad with money. And she has to be. She's in Bombor. And she talked about all these things, how people were paying for, for the exams, to have a look at the exams and all the ISIS. And she said, you know, for, for some of us, we, we don't even have... The money to pay for one paper. And now we have to write next year. And she talked and she talked and she talked and she talked. I can understand. It's frustrating. And others would just pay and have a walk through and you have to 
living in sweat. And I told her, I said, I understand. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, my friend and I are going to be studying between now and March. So, is it okay if you come here and study for me? I said, Sure, the course is open. You study until when you arrive. And I said, Let me tell you a story. Back in 1993, when we were students, Maybe I'm over for this anything now. Back in 1993, when we were students, we lost about a year of our school. No other feeling. But all that was because we were saying, we lost a year. So we so, things happened. I think Paul also was first. The only one that survived was Boone, I think. Not so sure. I can't remember that much anymore. I told you I'm over 45. But anyway, so I told them this story. I said it was hard. Because subsequently, when we went back to school, uh, Zomba had problems with water and we had to be sent back home. So we lost more months. You know, it was, it was frustrating. Some of us were supposed to be out of college by 1995. We ended up graduating in 1997. Two full years. Thank God. Because a woman walked on campus. In those years. What's happening again? I thank God. Her first year, if it was going to happen properly, should have happened when I'd have led left campus. But because of these delays, oh no, I met her. Yeah, and 20 years down the line, I'm saying, thank you, God. So God knows how to turn a situation that looks desperate into something that is good. At least I can testify that. Okay. But I also know there was another brother back in the day who said, even though what you did, you meant it for evil, God turned it around and has meant it for good. Here we are in Egypt. You don't have to stop. Joseph. Romans 8, 28 is really true. So I said to her, I don't know what God is going to sort out to bring about in your life, but thank him for this. In fact, it means things will be tighter, and those who really study and work on it are the ones who stand the better, best case. So God is already sifting. Okay, okay, now I see. But you see, I was telling her about this peaceful because I have been through it. I am sure that her mom, who is my cousin, is flustered about this. Because for her, money is not that easy to come. For some of us, you go this way, that way, that way, a few come along, and you, you are able to pay things. But for her, it is really hard. I know she will come home and talk about this. But most parents right now, their hearts are broken. You say all that money that we pumped into this, and now it goes just like that. You, you, can, you can feel the hurt of the parent. So because I've experienced the peace, even through years that are missing in my life in terms of education, we lost some years, I can say, God will turn it out for the good. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God who gives us peace. Perfect peace. Not the way the world gives peace, but you give it to us through Jesus Christ. My prayer of God for us this morning is that as we continue to look to you, to look to your word, I pray, O oh God, that you show up in our lives because you promised. John chapter 14, verse 21 and 23. You said, if we do your word, we do your commandment, you, O oh Lord, are going to show up. You are going to manifest in our lives. And you will grant us the peace because our minds are focused on you.